I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hi, this is Michelle. I'm here with my sister. Hi, I'm Karen. We are going to talk about preschool today. And this is one of Karen's special, close to her heart topics. Dear, dear. <laughs> so... So you'll probably hear a lot from her. I might start crying in this episode just because I don't have preschoolers anymore. Yeah. I miss that stage. I, I don't really. You don't miss the preschool <laughs> stage, but I do. I, I mean, they're really cute and all, but I have to say, teenagers are awesome. You like independence. I do. Above all. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Well, I taught preschool before I was even a homeschool mom. So, I don't know. I've just always loved that age of kids and teaching them and... We get a lot of questions about preschool, even though we don't have a preschool curriculum. We have a family school curriculum, and there are these families with little ones going, how do I do this? Well, some of them have little ones and school-age kids, and they're trying to figure out what to do with their preschoolers during layers of learning. Others are wanting to know, how can I prepare my child for layers of learning in the future? So we're going to kind of address general preparedness for school, preparedness for layers of learning, and, you know, what to do with your kids when with your little ones when your big ones are doing something else. So layers of learning really begins at age six. That's our intention is that yeah, first, first grade. grade is where your kids are going to start really doing layers of learning. Now, when I was doing layers of learning with my bigger kids and I had littler ones, they often joined right in. Right. So, because they're going to be there where the action is. Yeah. So you it's give not them like a. You say, you are not six yet. Yeah. You cannot come to science today. You can't color the map or touch the clay. Yeah. You know? It's not like that. <laughs> so part of family school is that your whole family is there and that is just part of the gig. So in terms of layers of learning, preschool includes everything up through age six. So kindergarten, preschool, we're going to kind of talk about that age group in all in one. So the first thing. The most important thing that you can do with your little kids is to read to them. Absolutely the most important. Every single day you should be reading out loud. Just stories, library books, all kinds of things. Get your kids to love reading. Help them fall in love with books and it will make your entire homeschool career easier. Yeah, they they will learn to read faster if you have read to them by a lot. Okay, it makes a massive difference. They also will learn vocabulary. Even if you're reading little kids' picture books, they contain vocabulary that we don't often use in our everyday language. That's one of the reasons that I like to read my kids' fictional picture books, but also I like to go to the nonfiction section and get picture books about true things. Because you encounter different words, and they end up with a massive vocabulary explosion. Well, and and the nice thing about a read aloud or like when you're just sitting there reading stories with them, there's zero pressure. You're not asking them to learn anything, but they're just doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, they just absorb it. Yeah. They learn so much from just you reading out loud to them. So besides just reading, talking about books with little ones that age is a really big deal. If you open up the book and you're pointing at the pictures and talking to them and asking them questions, what do you see? What's your favorite thing? Anything that you're asking them about, they are getting engaged. They're working on their vocabulary. They are learning so much just by interacting with you and the book. And they're connecting with you. Mm -hmm. So you're building a relationship as well, which I think when you're getting ready for family school is every bit as important as being able to read. Don't you think, Karen? Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, do you even 
remember when you opened a book with your kids when they were little, no matter what book it was, did you ever read the entire book without talking about it as you went? Probably sometimes, but most of the time, one thing I love to do is before I turn the page, I would say something like, what do you think is going to happen next? Yeah. You know, make them predict it. And they like that. They like being able to predict it. They like turning the page and having the surprise. Was I right? Was I not? You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's fun. It makes them think. It makes them engage with you and with the book. And I think sometimes we don't even realize how much we're teaching our kids when we interact in this way. But you are teaching them thinking skills, verbal skills, predicting skills, so many things you are teaching them without even really trying if you're just having book talks with your kids. Yeah. So I was a certified reading instructor. Like I got certified in college and then I did that for a long time and I tutored kids in reading. And it was funny, like really what I was taught is have kids read and talk to them about books. Certified. I mean, I took all these (laughs) classes and everything, but that was the bottom line. (laughs) That was the bottom line. It was just interacting with them about books. And then, you know, we did little tricks and things like they taught me how to trace my finger under the words and give nonverbal cues about sounding out and things like that. There were little tricks and things, yes. But the bottom line was read and interact. That was it. Yeah, and and spending that time one-on-one or with your two little ones around you or, you know, three or in my case, six, yeah. <laughs> you gather them around Pack you and you read and, and the, the little ones can sit there while you're doing your family read aloud, which is a much older book. And if, you know, either do it during their nap, if they're really not interested in it or let them play with Legos while you read. I used to do that with my kids all the time. Yeah. They would, they were allowed to play with Legos or color a picture or play with clay or something along those lines while we were reading because the little ones really can't sit through the older kids read aloud. But then in addition, you need to take those little kids and read books that are on their level, read them the board books, read them the curious George and you know, the cute little picture books that are out there make way for ducklings. Oh, so many good picture books. Besides reading to them, you kind of mentioned that you do this during your reading time, but play is a huge part of the preschool years that we tend to overlook way too much. Play is actually really important. In fact, in the last, I would say roughly the last decade, people have begun to do studies on play and children, and they have found that play is at least as important as any kind of academic work that that little children do. Through play, they are learning problem solving. They are learning to be creative. They are learning to think through cause and effect. They are learning to work with other people and compromise. Besides learning things like, if I drop a rock on my toe, it will hurt. You know, I mean, they're learning all kinds of things. And the physical part of the skills. I mean, Michelle, if I put you on a tightrope and said, go walk that tightrope. That wouldn't work out well for me. (laughs) You would struggle, right? (laughs) Well, for kids learning to play on the playground is kind of like a tightrope because they're not physically developed yet. Yeah. And so all of those things are actual skills that they're getting when they play in all forms, whether it's the fine motor skills or the gross motor skills, all of that is coming together in play between their cognition and their motor skills. And then how they come together during that time, it is so, so valuable. And you don't have to lesson plan play. You no. just don't. Oh, please don't. That, that's how you can ruin it. So <laughs> so it, it's really important. I mean, you can play with your children. It's great to get on the floor and play with the dolls in the dollhouse with your children. 
but they also need to play by themselves or with other little children, whether that's siblings or neighbors or friends. They need to be able to use their own creative imaginations and not be relying on yours and not as an adult, you are going to direct whatever happens. And so sometimes you need to step back and let them direct it. So this is a little bit off topic, Michelle, but you and I have on occasion kind of laughed at the sheer number of sensory bins that exist on Pinterest and yeah, things like that. Yeah. And if you use sensory bins with your kids, that's just fine. But we just use like a garden hose in the sand. Yeah. Okay. We, we don't have sand. We have, <laughs> my kids grew up with the dirt pit. Okay. When we moved to our house, there was this patch of lawn that was dead, right? They had, there had been a planter there or something. So it was just dirt. And I told the kids, yeah, go ahead, dig there. And so they, it, it grew over the years. <laughs> sensory bin. It's, it's their sensory bin. So it's, it's the dirt pit. And Last year, my boy, who was 13 at the time, dug this hole that was as tall as him. And, you know, he was he was pretty, getting pretty tall by then. He dug this enormous hole in the backyard. And I was like, this is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was great. You should I have mean, taken a picture and put it on Pinterest. Okay, I did take a picture. <laughs> and if you want to post it on Pinterest, you <laughs> can do that. I can, I'll, I'll be like, sensory bin. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're totally fine doing any kind of, um, you know, play plans that you want to make. But really, kids can also just play. Yeah. If you put them outside. Give them a cardboard box. Yeah. (laughs) Any of those things really meet those same requirements as far as developing those skills and creative problem solving and the, the motor skills. All of that happens just through natural play. I think one of the biggest things that you have to do instead of lesson planning is carving out time. Yeah, I think minimizing electronics. Mm-hmm. Because if kids have a choice between playing a video game and playing outside, a whole lot of them will pick the video game. And there's nothing wrong with video games, but if you spend all day on that, you're losing out on all that other stuff. This this isn't exactly video games, but with TV, if I've seen that my kids are watching TV and I'm like, ah, it's been too long, I will tell them, do you prefer to watch other people live or do you want to go and live? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty <laughs> and then much. I send them outside to live. That That is actually what happens. I mean, you don't form memories from the TV show you watched. You know, I mean, you may remember what the TV show was about, but that doesn't become a, a fond memory in your life. But the, the summer you built the treehouse, that does. So, yeah, just not that you have to get rid of electronics, just minimize it. Keep it under control. Yeah. It's amazing how when you first send your kids out to play, whether it's in the playroom or outside in the yard or or whatever, they will act like they don't know how. Yeah. And they will be bored. And they will Boredom is good for kids. struggle. And if you leave them out there long enough, they start to use their brains and creatively play. <laughs> and they're happier. Yeah. Way, way happier. You don't have to plan and, it. And we're, you have to let them plan it. Yes. And when we're talking about little kids, the small ones... Of course, you have to have a safe place for them to play. But also, even if it's an educational video game or an educational TV show, it is not even close to as valuable as playing outside for that hour. Right. Of course, you know, there are times you need them to sit there and watch the TV show because you need to get through that math lesson, dang it. And that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. But just... We are screen people. Yeah. You know, we have... 
we're we're not the homeschoolers who never allow our kids to be on computers. We have husbands. Well, mine we, mine we likes YouTube, the Xbox. And we use YouTube in our lessons. Yes, like, we do. It's not like we're anti-screens, but there has to be a time and a place. And I think especially in the preschool years, like it is so addictive. Yeah. And we don't even realize how addictive it, those screens it are. It actually changes the neural pathways of the brain. So if you don't keep it minimized, your children become unable to do other things. They actually lose their ability to be creative. Okay, the next thing I think that's important is to talk to your kids. Talk, 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 talk. I, I love how little kids are just chatterboxes, and we sometimes act like we want to turn that off, but that's exactly what they need to do in order to learn. Yeah. Um, so while you're waiting at the doctor's appointment, instead of getting on your phone or handing them a phone to entertain them, have a discussion with them. You can open up one of those magazines that's sitting there and talk about the pictures and the people and what are they doing and, you know, or play I Spy. Yeah. <laughs> we go for walks all of the time. I mean, when they were little, we did, but we still do. We go for walks or bike rides and we talk about everything that we see. It's just a constant engagement of, hey, this is what's happening in the world all around us. And that does require looking, paying attention watching and not just for them but for you you start to notice more things and be able to interact and talk with your kids about everything when you just pause and soak up the moment and you know just go for a quiet walk and notice nature we, I went for a walk now I don't have any preschoolers anymore like I said my youngest is 14 now but I went for a walk with my 14 year old and my 16 year old the other day just down our dirt road and it's spring so we have water melting like crazy off of the mountain that we're on. The streams are full, but so are the ditches. And we paused as we're going down our driveway and we stop and we watch the ditch full of water. It's still going underneath snowbanks, right? So it was pretty interesting to see the water is flowing under the snowbank and then it emerges and then it goes back under a snowbank for a ways. And we got to see where it came out. And like, we took a walk that took quite a while. And my kids are older, like I said, but this is a relationship building thing. No matter how old your kids are and when they're little tiny, it's not just relationship building. You're also teaching them the vocabulary and how to think and how to look and how to, you know, to enjoy being outside. I mean, there's just so much that they're learning because they've never encountered it before. And even when you're not outside, you're inside the house working on anything. I used to have a kind of philosophy. I called it a kid at my side. I always had at least one kid right by my side when I was doing any household chore. So I'd be unloading the dishwasher and teaching them how to unload the dishwasher and talking to them about their day and, and this everything is when that was they happening. Were, when they were tiny, right? Yeah, this is when they were preschoolers. They were they were little. And I mean, first of all, that's how my kids learned how to clean and they are good that's cleaners. That's important. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's hard when they're little because they're not actually helping. But believe me, it pays off big time. Yeah. And if you're looking at it and saying, oh, I didn't spend hours lesson planning I got my dishwasher unloaded and the kid learned to unload the dishwasher. Yeah. It takes That's... years of a kid at your side before they really are doing any of that independently. But you're talking to them and learning so much along the way that has nothing to do with a preschool lesson plan. That's that's actually one of my favorite ways of engaging with small children is to draw them into my world. I rarely got down on the floor and played with my kids. It's just not my personality. Karen, you did that a lot I more. I did a lot, yeah. Yeah. It's but but I would have my kids with me all the time. We would make cookies together. They learned to cut with a knife when they were preschoolers, like a sharp kitchen knife. I taught them how to do it safely. I'm tend to be a little more risky about that kind of thing than most parents probably, but 
I wanted my kids to be competent yes. and I wanted them drawn into my world. And You're so I did that a lot. Too. I am all about independence. <laughs> <laughs> but really, whether you're driving through town, whether you're folding the laundry, I mean, I remember having my kids, I'm kind of picky about how my laundry gets folded, sort of, but I loved having them just find the socks. Just, you find matches. They're yeah. matching. Yeah. And it's helping me. <laughs> right. It was a beautiful thing. You know, there's all kinds of little things that you can do when you just live with your preschooler in conversation. Well, think about it. You can you can have them sort colored blocks in a pre-planned activity, or you can have them sort white laundry from colored laundry. <laughs> it's the same activity. Same thing right? with all the little stacking toys, or you can have them stack the little plastic plates and put them in the drawer. Right. <laughs> it's very much the same skills. And not that we didn't do those other things. Yeah. You know, we had all the little sorting toys, and we did that too. But we just very much... In the same way we do with layers of learning in our older kids, learning is a way of life. It's part of everything that we do. We say that we never stop our homeschool day. That's because we just count everything that we do as learning yeah. when we're talking to our yeah. kids and interacting. Another thing that's important for kids is for you to talk to them in grown-up language. Like, don't do baby talk. When they're babies, you can do baby talk. But once they're about two, you should start talking to them in normal language so that they can learn vocabulary the correct grammar order. Pronunciation. Yeah. You don't need to talk about yourself in the third person. They know who you are. You can say I and me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's important for them to hear concepts, vocabulary that's just normal. I mean, I, I know I would talk to my kids and use multisyllable words when they were tiny, and they learned multisyllable words when they were tiny because I just used them. Well, and the other thing that happens, if you have older kids, they will also model what you do. So, if you are modeling baby talk and you are modeling screen time and you are modeling all of those things, your whole family will end up falling into that. And pretty soon your little one is just watching screens and hearing baby talk. Yeah. That's not what you want. You're creating an interactive educational home. And it's not like we are crazy like about any of this stuff. It's no, just it's, kind of naturally. It's just naturally what you do during your day. Well, again, we don't plan it. That's kind of the point of this is that most of it just falls into your natural rhythm of your day. You just, instead of shunting your child to the side and thinking they can only do little kid things, you draw them into the family life yeah. and they're interacting with you like a normal person. One thing that gets talked about a lot, I think is the dinner table and it actually is very important <laughs> It, to eat dinner together as a family and to talk during that time. You know, have the toddler there, have the preschooler there, and they're part of the conversation. Yeah, everyone gets a time to talk and be heard and listen and really interact. One of the things we do at the dinner table is best part of my day, worst part of my day, and something you learn. So every single person goes around and says what the best part of their day was, what the worst part of their day was, and just one thing that they learned that day. And it could be something they learned in our homeschool, or it could just be... Something they learned, like, I learned that I lost my toothbrush. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But it gives kids a chance to evaluate, to, to think, and to have kind of the floor. Yeah, and, and to express what is making them happy and what's not. I mean, I as a parent, don't you want to know that? And so it, it, it's a lot more interesting than tell me about your day or how was your day? I mean... Yeah, and, and there's all versions of that. Yeah. But the point is to really give your kids a chance to talk 
and that you are actually listening and caring about what they're saying and that they're doing that with each other too. They stop and even the quietest one gets the floor sometimes, you know. One of the things that we like to do at the dinner table is tell memories too. Like we love to tell stories about when we were kids. Oh, kids love those stories. So it's just fun to just have those natural interactions. And so (sighs) in many ways, this doesn't feel like we're teaching you about preschool at all. But this is really, honestly, some of the most valuable stuff that your preschooler can learn. But we're going to talk about academics next. There is that. So academics in preschool is very simple. There has been a push, at least in the United States, for the last, I'd say, 20 years to teach kids academics at earlier and earlier and earlier ages. They keep getting younger. And I don't actually think that that's good for kids. No, I don't either. But at the same time, there are some academic things that are just natural things that are easy to teach. I don't think there's harm in it. But I don't think that we need to be pushing the three-year-old to read either. Yeah. Uh, most kids just aren't developmentally ready for that. And if you're pushing them, you'll just make them feel stupid or they'll make them hate reading. Yeah. So it's better just to wait until they're six for the heavy academics. But the preschool academics are things like colors, shapes, the ABCs. Numbers. Numbers. Yeah. yeah. Really basic things. So I really do kind of reject the, we have to have an entire huge preschool curriculum where they're learning to read and write model. We didn't do that with our kids. We let it be a more organic, natural experience for them. Even when I taught other kids in preschool, I was really successful with this approach where, yeah, we did some academics, but it was very much the preschool academics. We don't need to get into reading skills before we've learned the alphabet. You know? Yeah. So we definitely teach our kids the ABCs when they're in preschool. I always had little bins of preschool type learning toys that my kids could pull out while my bigger kids were doing their homeschool day. So we had the letter tiles and the alphabet magnets and, you know, all of those little preschool type toys that you see that introduce kids to the alphabet. Also ABC books. We, I, when I was reading books to my kids, a lot of them were ABC books. I mean, there's thousands of ABC books written for little kids. Yeah. And just cycle those in with your other reading. That's easy to do. We also always made sure to read in the real world. Like if I had a shopping list in my hand, I'd ask my kid, can you find the M's? And they would go through the shopping list and find every M. We love to play find the letter. So when we were driving in the car, you would say, oh, who can find the letter C? And they would look on all the signs and find the letter C. And it feels like a game instead of like you're quizzing them. Yeah. And it doesn't take any planning and it doesn't take preparation or, or anything. It's just a continual thing that you do to have literacy be introduced without pressure. Kids love their names. So when they're little, the age, exact age, so much depends on the kid. But by the time they're about three, they can start to recognize their name. They, they love to be able to trace it. They want to see it on the, on the label on their notebook. They want to see it on the wall of their room, whatever it is. They love their name. This is one thing that I actually did sort of lesson plan. It wasn't exactly lesson plan, but I used to take like index cards and I would write all of the letters of the preschooler's name. And then I'd go hide the cards around the room, kind of obvious hiding. And they would gather up all of the cards and then they'd, the challenge was to put their name in order. You know, they'd have to put the letters in order to spell out their name, yeah. which is actually a big challenge it for is. a preschooler and, and who's it, just learning letters. And at first, of course, you're helping them mm-hmm. and, and you've already taught them their name ahead of time. You know, like you don't just 
throw them into it. But but yeah, you just can do little games or spell their name out with letter tiles or with magnets or put it on the wall of their room, whatever. And after they learn their name, they start to learn the other family member's name. Yeah. They learn mom. They yeah. learn dad. They... Well, and as they're learning their name or other people's names, they're learning that letters make sounds and that you put letters together to make words. And that's a huge, huge cognitive step. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal. Numbers is the next very obvious preschool skill that for sure we always teach our kids. Numbers in the real world is really easy because we constantly count. Numbers are everywhere around us. So when I climbed the steps with my kids, I'd go one step, two, three, four, you know, and we'd go up the stairs. There are all kinds of ways that you can just include numbers in everything you do. Tons of games too. I There are lots and lots of games that use numbers, whether it's a you know, a dial that you spin and it lands on a number and you move that many spaces on the board. Or if it's a dice that you roll, there's, there's a lot of games that use numbers. So, and kids can count the domino dots and, you know, there's just numbers everywhere in games. We do the same things with shapes and colors. You're going to notice them all around you. You're going to have your kids start to learn to use them. You know, they can color a picture and you say, can you find the red pen? You know, Anything that you're doing, shapes and colors can just be incorporated. And that's a really good thing to keep your little ones busy during your school day too. Part of the day can be them doing their little learning time and they're sitting at the table, very brief segments of time. You know, they'll do this and then they'll go off and play and then they'll come back and do another little thing and then they'll go off and play. But in those little moments, you can teach them lots of things. I like always having a workbook on hand when my kids were little because it's it's so great to pull out when the other kids are doing their work or before you have older kids if, you, if your oldest is a preschooler you've got a couple of little preschoolers you can pull it out for 20 minutes during the day and do school and they'll think it's fun at that age you know yeah they want to be like big sister or big brother and so they yeah they're looking for that time and and just about any preschool workbook is just fine it's not like you need to search for the one they all they all do letters, colors, numbers, shapes. I mean, they're all very basic and they'll they'll be very colorful and friendly for little kids usually. So just pick one that appeals to you. Don't overthink it. Another thing that little kids need to learn is motor skills for things like cutting or folding paper, putting together puzzles, you know, all those yeah. little tiny. We, I, we always kept puzzles in our homeschool when my kids were little. They had the little board yeah. type puzzles and mm-hmm. they would... Build puzzles or, or put beads on a string. Or the so, lacing toys. Did you guys yeah, ever have the lacing toys? Yep, we had the toys? lacing yeah. cards. So all of those things are just nice to have on hand and you pull one out. We never made them all available at the same time. I'd have it like... Because that's a mess. Well, yeah. And <laughs> it's more interesting when you pull it out and they go, oh, oh and they yeah. haven't seen yeah, it they in a while. Seen it. Mm-hmm. So you pull one out and you just let them keep their hands busy while you're doing the other things with your kids. And it's amazing how much they can even learn. You're there, but they're kind of learning independently because they're yeah. just doing their thing. And then when they're around four or five, they should learn things like their full name, mom and dad's full names, their birth date, their address, mom or dad's phone number, you know, so that they can explain to someone who they are yeah. and so that they know who they are. And, you know, we said that it doesn't matter what workbook and it doesn't matter, but I did have my favorites. I loved having a maze book on hand for my oh, kids. Yeah. I do so like we maze would just books. get 
mazes so that they would practice tracing through the mazes. They're the really, really simple preschool maze books. Yeah, and some of them are even just a line that you trace across. Like you use a a crayon and you copy the line. Yeah, Yeah. and then it would have the line go zigzag or curves. Yeah, Yeah. and so kids are learning that. After that, they start to move into things like, we love to explode the code. You use that too. Yeah. Um, and that's just a very, very basic introduction to the alphabet. Yeah, it's, it's a phonics. Like the kids learn the, the letter shape and how it looks and also the sounds that it makes. Yeah. And then my kids kind of progressed into draw right now. And I think yours did that too, yeah. right, Michelle? Especially Harrison. The others all did a few of the books. Harrison did the entire series because he and that's just, was into it. It's just a preschool series where it basically looks like handwriting lines. And they begin with tracing and then writing very basic and words. And they draw have pictures that they draw too. So they're doing even more motor skill. Yeah. So it has kind of a how to draw type thing combined with yeah. the handwriting thing. Yeah. So it, it begins in preschool, but then it extends through probably second or third grade, depending on your kid. You know? Yeah. So we just always had a few of those types of books on hand. And it's not like it was, you must complete six pages today. We just had them for when we could go, oh, my kiddo needs a workbook because everybody's doing written work and she wants to be involved or whatever. Yeah. Karen, I know you taught other kids in preschool. So did you have like a preschool that your kids went to with other kids? Do you know I, what I mean? Like I taught the kids in our neighborhood yeah. preschool in our home. Yeah. So, so how valuable do you think that is versus just doing it yourself at home? I mean, how do you like see the contrast or? I guess the fun part of that was that we did a lot of the interactive things like they did little plays where they dressed up and you know so that part was really fun it also gets them to be with other kids they were with other kids that was fun um it was fun to just have like the playtime parts were more fun with groups I will admit that but as far as the learning part I don't think there was an advantage or a benefit to that I don't know I did the same things with the group that I did with my kids one-on-one yeah. for the so, most. When my kids were, my oldest were really little, we were in play groups. It wasn't exactly preschool, but it was a play group type thing that we did. And that was really valuable for them. But then when they got older and were in school and my younger ones were preschoolers, I stopped doing those because I just didn't have time. I was homeschooling and that was enough for me. And I I never really regretted that my little ones didn't do it. I mean, they all had so many siblings and they were fine. That becomes their play group with your littler ones. They already have kids to play with. They don't yeah, and, have to and, bring the neighborhood. And we still had church and they went to, you know, a, a little nursery when they were at the church where there were other kids. So yeah. that felt like, you know. I don't think there's a wrong way to do it, but I think we're kind of told right now that oh, you have to send your kids to preschool. I don't think that's true. My kids kind of did the same whether or not, you know, the ones who went to preschool did the same as the ones who didn't. They were all taught by me, so maybe that's not a good comparison for my family. <laughs> but but I taught all of the kids in the neighborhood preschool. And then when I was just teaching my own, they learned just as much. I think the really key part is people think, oh, if I send my kid to preschool, they'll learn all those things. Actually, most of the things they learn are in your home. The couple of hours at preschool are not going to make up for all of the hours you spend in your home interacting and talking about things. And, you know, like I said, driving down the street and spotting the letters, all of those things that you can do in a very natural, 
ongoing way are going to add up to a lot more than a couple of hours of preschool. Yeah. The other thing that I like to teach my kids during those early formative years, especially from, I would say, two and a half to three years old and and up is behavior. Because oh, yeah. by the time they hit school age, by the time they're five or six, they have to know how to follow directions. They have to know how to do as they're told when an adult tells them to do something to do it, you know. Go sit down in your chair. They need to go sit down in their chair. Yeah. You know, that that's important. Um, they need to learn empathy for others. Little children are not born caring about other people. They they have to be taught when you hit someone else, it hurts that person and that's not okay. You know, yeah. they also have to be taught just getting along with others, like compromising when you're playing together. Yeah. I loved that you used compromising because people always use share. Yeah. And it cracks me up that you can share and that means you give someone else something or yeah. you can say they should share with me. That's yeah. a really hard concept for kids. And I almost wish there were two different words for it. Like one is the receiving end. One is the giving end. Of yeah. Sharing. But either way, really only one person gets it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. You have to teach them all of those compromising conversational skills that it takes in order to share either direction. Yeah. Or, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And that is something that is taught best when they're really small and they're first encountering those situations. If you wait until they're 10 to teach them that lesson, it's going to be really, really hard. And you're going to regret it. Yeah. All of those behavior type things are really learned during your family life. That's part of your natural everyday occurrence. That's not something they're really going to learn in preschool. I mean, we talk about socialization a lot and to some degree there's something there, but socialization can happen within your family you can still invite friends to play and all of that. You should. But socialization is really teaching your kids how to interact with others. Yeah. And and most of your interactions don't happen within a peer group of other people who are exactly your same age that you have to make friends with. They happen across a wide variety of people of all ages and all groups. So it really, it's very good for that to happen in your family. One of the things that I had to teach my children was how to behave in public. I think everyone has to teach their children this. <laughs> yeah. And so there's this one time, my son was only two. Okay. I, I think he was two and a half. He was pretty small. Okay. But there was a library story time for little children. It was for his age group, right? He and his older brother were going to go to the story time with me. And I, before we went in, I told them the rules. And I knew that my two and a half year old would not be able to do it. <laughs> he was a hyperactive, super high energy, loud exuberant kind of kid, right? He wasn't going to be able to do it. I knew that. So I told him the rules and I told him what would happen if he didn't follow the rules. And what would happen is that we would leave the library right away. We would go home and they would miss story time. So five minutes in, the the librarian is trying to read the story and my little boy is shouting and yelling and, and interrupting the story time. So I had prepared them ahead of time of what would happen. So I took the two boys out the little one was screaming the whole way out of the library, but we left. We went home. Good times. Okay. He was so upset that we hadn't made it through story time, but he connected the behavior I expected with the consequence. We went back the next week. He did just fine. I used to plan things like that. Yeah. Like I knew I was going to the grocery store and I wasn't going to get groceries that day. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I know this is going to derail, but I have to have the consequence happen so that my kids can learn how to behave in the grocery store. And so sometimes you have to say, okay, this is a training session, not an actual grocery shopping, not library story time, not any of that. Yeah. <laughs> Today we are teaching the kids 
how to act in public and how to interact with others and, and listen. Yeah. And that those kinds of lessons, the thing is, even with my really hyperactive kid that you would look at him and think he can't control himself. He could, he just had to have the consequences be real enough, right? It had, sometimes it takes more than once. Often it does. the lessons learned one time. Yeah, usually it just takes once. For this kid, even though he was like a super high energy kid, he learned it in one lesson. And Michelle, it's really, really easy. Like you described that you knew that was going to happen when you went into the library. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the hard time is when four weeks later you go in and you've seen him successfully do it for three weeks. And then the fourth week, he's... It blows up. It blows up again. <laughs> And even though you weren't planning on this being a lesson day, you have to be, to be consistent. Yep. Because if you're not, then it just derailed everything that you mm-hmm. spent that month teaching. Yep. We, so, had, we had a rule at the grocery store. My kids were not allowed to whine and ask for things. They could say, hey, mom, can we get that kind of cereal? But they can't say, mom, I want that cereal. And then throw a fit if I say no. That was not allowed. Okay. Yeah. I have zero tolerance for whining. Can't stand it. So my kids <laughs> do not whine at all. But not allowed. <laughs> it's not allowed. But, but the reason that it works is because if they tried that ever, we walked out of the grocery store. We abandoned the cart in the middle of the aisle and we left. And to them, that was apocalyptic. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was a big deal. I mean, they still remember it, right? And one kid misbehaves, the whole family leaves. It's really hard when you know, <laughs> I need those groceries. We are out of milk. Right. But it's actually more valuable than the milk. <laughs> it's way more valuable. You have to Because otherwise you'll be fighting that battle every single time for the rest of your life. Yeah. And instead you could be done with it. And your kids could be well behaved. And, you know, I have been able to take my kids to the grocery store for years and they're helpful. Instead of whining and tugging on my leg and running away, they are actually useful. In I there. now beg my kids to go to the grocery store. I'm like, I need help, guys. It's so much faster <laughs> when you're there. <laughs> I know. They're like, we don't want to go shopping. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We had a rule when they were little that they couldn't touch anything on the shelves. Oh, yeah. Like they were allowed to point or look, you know talk to me about things, but they couldn't touch the things or grab something on the shelves. And if they did, that was our, we walk out. Yeah. If you touch anything on the shelves, you're, we're done. But yeah, you have to kind of establish that ahead of time. As you're teaching your preschoolers, you're teaching them these things so that when you're homeschooling them full on, they have already learned to sit still. They have yeah. already learned to listen and obey. They know that if you say something, you mean it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's essential as a parent, and especially as a homeschool parent, you can't send them off to be someone else's problem for, for a break. Yeah, for for a big it. portion of the day, they're they're your problem all the time. So make them so they're not a problem. Yeah, <laughs> training it, training a child is so so important, and it happens in the preschool years. It does. It does. I often talk to families who they say, "Oh, this is our first year of homeschooling, and their kids are older." Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, that would be so So hard. hard. (laughs) Because the truth is that one of the reasons that homeschooling is totally uh, not easy, but it's it's pretty easy for me. Now? Now? Because I went through those years where I was training them. Mm -hmm. And now they know I mean what I say. They know what the expectations are. I don't even remember the last time I had to really scold a kid during school. They know. They're going to get the work done. I know. It's not even a question. Yeah. So I don't have to do that whole, oh, I could never teach them because they don't listen to me thing. They have to listen to me because yeah. I taught them that when they were three. <laughs> right. You know? Right. It's, it's so important. Okay. Another thing that they have to be taught when they're little is to wait. 
And this may be the hardest thing because when you have them, when you're homeschooling several of them, there's waiting. One gets math one-on-one time. The others need help too, but they have to wait. Did you ever use timers, Michelle? Yeah. We used timers too. And that really helped my kids to learn, okay, I, I recognize that I can't interrupt. I can't go talk to mom until this timer goes off because yeah. then it will be my turn. Like you'll set it for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever the time is that you need. Yeah. We used to do the math lessons that way. Like this kid gets this amount of time. Because when I was getting interrupted all of the time, it was dragging all of the math lessons on. It was taking way longer because I was constantly facing interruptions. And so I had to teach them just wait. Yeah. And you also teach them what to do while they're waiting. Yeah. You're not sitting right. there doing nothing. You go on and you do something. You know, that's one of the yeah. reasons we had planners. So so when you've got your preschoolers, you're teaching them to wait while mom is in the grocery store line and to not throw a fit, right? You're waiting. Mm-hmm. You teach them to wait while you're sitting in the doctor's office and you're, you're interacting with them and you can look at a book and stuff, but they're still waiting and you're teaching them to be patient. You're teaching them to wait while you're on the phone. You're teaching them to wait while you're talking to the grown-up, the other grown-up, you know? So that will teach them so later on when they need to wait for a sibling during school time. Did you use the arm touch trick, the waiting arm touch trick ever? No, my kids were taught to leave me alone. They can't touch you? <laughs> if, if I was like on the phone, my kids could touch my arm to let me know that they needed something. And then I would pat their hand like, okay, I hear you. I know. And then they'd go off and do their thing. And then I knew when I got off of the phone... Go I'm, find I'm that going kid. To find Isabel yeah. or, or whoever, you know. And so that's how I taught them. But you didn't want them to touch you, huh? Well, that, okay, f- first of all, I'm not a phone person. I wasn't on the phone very often. Secondly, I did teach my kids, mom is working now or mom is busy because I was working on layers of learning all those years. <laughs> don't, I'd be like, don't interrupt. Don't me. bother me unless you're dying. And even then, it better be a serious <laughs> death. <laughs> you know? like, like they learned very early on when they were really small, just go play, leave mom alone. I mean, they had my full attention during school and they had my full attention at other times during our day. But when it was my work time, I was like, nope, you don't bother me. And also, they did not wake me up in the morning. That was essential to everyone's happiness. <laughs> they, they just knew. <laughs> they knew. Another thing that I think I had to teach my kids because it was out of necessity for my sanity again. There's a difference between tattling and telling for safety reasons. Yeah. There's a difference between he's looking at me funny or he just took a cookie from the cookie jar and he's running around the house with scissors. Yeah. <laughs> you <yeah>. know, <laughs> there are reasons to interrupt. There are reasons to get mom and there are reasons yeah. not to. Yeah. And Tyler's trying to jump off the roof of the house. Yeah. I mean, you want to know that. I think Tyler did jump off the roof of the house a couple <laughs> he probably times. probably did. <laughs> they pushed the trampoline over there and jumped. But just like, he won't let me have my turn. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff they're supposed to be working out themselves for the most part. So you got to kind of yeah, teach them. Yeah, and truthfully, those things also are taught in those preschool years. Yeah. And and once they learn it in those years, they're life skills that last forever. But you need your kids to understand that. There's a very popular trend right now that kids should be kids. They should get to do whatever they want. But kids are actually learning how to be the kind of people they will be throughout their lives. Not that you have to expect all adult behavior when they're three years old, but little by little, you are training them for that. Yeah, kids have to be trained. Kids do not, they are not born being civilized humans. They are born barbarians. (laughs) And you you have to teach them. You have to civilize them. You have to teach them manners, behaviors, interactions with other people that are fair and just and good and kind. 
I think that one of the keys to all of it is that it is easier to train than to untrain. Yeah. Once they've learned bad habits and bad behaviors, it is so difficult to back that up and teach them, you know, the right way. But whether you're teaching shapes and colors and numbers and the alphabet or teaching them not to interrupt, all of that needs to be very ongoing all of the time. Yeah, it's part of your family life. It's part of your everyday and it has to be consistent. And you can definitely incorporate it into your school day too because that's something that helps entertain kids while you're helping the bigger kids do school. And I was amazed at how much my preschoolers gleaned and learned that I thought they weren't ready for, but they just heard us doing it. And they would chime in with the answers when we were doing a trivia game or, you know, they'd want to write their name even before I really expected them to be ready to because they saw their siblings doing it. And so much of your school day can involve them in small ways, even though you're not really expecting it, you're welcoming them, but you're not saying you have to finish this. You have to do this. You're just letting them be a part of the learning that's already happening in your homeschool. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning! learning.